Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. You're listening to the Bears Brothers podcast and postgame show, the place where Bears fans across the globe hang out online after every Bears game. Now get ready, because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Bears Brothers Podcast. I can't believe it's already been a week since our last episode. After averaging four to five episodes per week during the regular season, it's crazy to think that it's already been a week, and it's even been longer for me since I wasn't on the last one. But I'll be your host for today's show, Nicholas Moriano, as we are unfortunately, we had to put Will and I are, a, a place that a lot of Chicago Bears players are familiar with, unfortunately, but hopefully he's back soon. But today I'm joined by my fellow Bears brother, Brandon Hazlett. Brandon, how have you been over the course of these seven days and even longer than that? I've been great. Uh, I went to the Purdue basketball game last night, and I'm going to take advantage to talk about it now since Will's not here to tell me not to. So it's, it's just been a lot of fun to watch them, the number three team in the nation. So enjoying that while I can. Yeah, that's awesome. And I think the last time we were just on the podcast yeah, must have been an on. audio mailbag, right? I think so. I think so with that being said, audio mailbag, we definitely want to get back into doing that. So people, please submit our questions. We definitely Brandon and I miss that because mm-hmm. I mean that's the last time it was just us two. So this is a good I like this. It's a Nick and Brandon show right now. We definitely <laughs> want to get back to doing that. But before we get into today's episode, I have one request. Subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already. It's the best way to keep up with us throughout the entire offseason. I predict it's going to be one with filled with a lot of events. Our goal is to hit 3,000 subscribers on YouTube by week one. We're already close to 2,000, so please help us out. All right, so today's episode is the first of a two-parter about the Bears' offense. Typically, during the early stages of the offseason, we conduct our State of the Franchise episodes, which is an overall analysis of the team as we start to formulate the offseason blueprint for both sides of the ball. This year, though, we needed to adjust with the new coaching staff in place at Hallis Hall because... That's going to have a large impact on this team and it's going to have the most influence on what the Chicago Bears need to do in the offseason. So that means we're going to take this episode to talk about that. All the new coaches the Bears have hired on offense to date, discussing the expected impact of each guy, a grade for each hire. I'll even end the show by answering some of your fan questions. So, Brandon, you ready to dive into this? Let's do it. All right, let's do it. So we'll start with our offensive coordinator. And we're not going by terms of when these guys were hired but can you tell us a little bit about mark helfrich yeah so his background he was head coach at oregon uh, university from 2013 to 2016 there he had a 37 and 16 record 
He was also the offensive coordinator under Chip Kelly at that same school from 2009 to 2012. He was the offensive coordinator at Colorado University from 2006 to 2008, and he was a quarterback coach at Arizona State from 2001 to 2005. And lastly, of the highlights anyway, he was quarterback coach at Boise State from 1998 to 2000. Man, he's got he's got a quite a, a resume there, just being at so many different places. Um, what right. are some things that you typically? What do you like about him? Well, first of all, let's like take into consideration. I mean, he hasn't been to the NFL ranks yet, so let's take into consideration that the Pac-12 itself is an underrated uh, conference for football. I mean, since he joined the Pac-12, going all the way back to 2001 when it was still the Pac-10, he's gone against some of the all-time greats like USC and Pete Carroll when he was there, uh, Jim Harbaugh when he was there at Stanford, and even Mike Bellotti from uh, 2001 when he was with Oregon. They went 11-1 and that year, and they actually thumped ASU when he was there as their quarterback coach, uh, 42 to 24. So he's he's got a very wide range of experiences of coaches that he's been up against, other offenses that he can compare his to, other very good defenses. So first of all, I want to take that into consideration. He has faced some very good defenses in his time there in the Pac-12. But just looking at, his, uh, uh, looking at all this as a whole, uh, I think it's safe to say that he knows what he's doing, to say the least. <laughs> I mean, and just looking at his points per game when he's coaching at the respective universities, only at Colorado University was the only time that he didn't average more than 30 points a game. Oh, gosh. And he's a proven winner, and he makes winners because he you know, developed Marcus Mariota into the Heisman winner as he is in the, the very solid quarterback that he is today with the Tennessee Titans. Uh, and he played roles in both the, the Rose Bowl uh, victories that Oregon had in 2012 against Wisconsin and Florida State. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, so he's done a lot of great things and I really like that about him. And the thing that I also like is that even though that he is going to be in his first year in the NFL coaching and being an offense coordinator without calling the plays, I think that just sets him up to be with the Bears for a little longer than maybe we, we saw in Adam Gase when he was here. He, he, he had a great year. Then he goes off to be a head coach. So I think with Helfridge being his first job in the NFL and not actually calling plays, that sets it up for some continuity down the road with this new coaching staff that we have. So even though maybe the Bears do have a jump on offense, which we do expect and we hope that it does happen, he's not going to be a guy that's going to be leaving anytime soon, which I really like. And then also he being uh, under that Chip Kelly system and just with Oregon and all the success that they had there, that's, a, again, like you said, a proven winner. And even though he, he was fired in 2016, he ended up with a 37-16 record at Oregon as a head coach, which is right. very impressive. And he obviously has familiarity with that spread system and with uh, Andy Reid. So it's going to be uh, he's going to be able to bring that to Chicago, just at least help out Matt Nagy. Not Nagy, which uh, which is weird for me saying Nagy. I know we pronounce a lot of people pronounce that name wrong in the beginning when he was hired, but he's going to help there in that retrospect because Nagy's going to have a lot in his play being a head coach. So I really like that about our new offensive coordinator. But Brandon, if you had to give this hire a grade, what would what would you grade this? Um. I'm going to give it about the same grade that I gave the, the Nagy hire. I'm going to give it a B plus because, I mean, he's got a very good resume in the college ranks, but that's not the NFL ranks either. And he's made some very good quarterbacks each time in his respective university, and each time that he's been at these different universities, he's had at least one quarterback throw for 20 or more touchdowns. Can you name the last time that the Bears had a quarterback throw for 20 or more touchdowns? Didn't uh, I would expect Jay Culler done it. It was Jay, yeah, point. 2015, okay. but it feels like forever ago. Okay. Really wasn't that long, 2015, but it still feels like forever ago. So that's definitely something that I'm excited that he's going to bring. Uh, and like you said, he's he's 
going to be that guy that he's not calling plays. He's going to be in the room, kind of like what uh, Nagy was saying with Andy Reid. They all just kind of sit in a room and collaborate to get a playbook together, uh, to get the get the plays for the week in order, things like that. It's going to be a very collaborative effort, and that's where I think that he really comes in, like you said, helps with that spread idea. So I don't know how much of the, the fast-paced type of things we'll see from Oregon uh, that he brings to Chicago. That, that kind of worries me. I wonder what kind of influence he has there. And kind of for that sole reason, it's the only reason it doesn't get an A for me. Yeah, and you mentioned a good point there, Brandon. I don't want to see the Bears become, which they won't. They right. won't become the Oregon Ducks, where they're just that that fast, really fast pace kind of offense. That's that's not going to translate well in the NFL. We saw Chip Kelly's little tenure with with the Eagles. Yes, they they had success that first season, but it really teams picked up on that. But I, it's not even worth me actually asking this question. But I'm going to do it anyway. Okay. Is this an upgrade or a downgrade from Dow Loggins? Oh, this is an absolute upgrade. Like. I don't think I have to explain that. It's it's an upgrade. It's an upgrade, even though Helfrich is not calling plays. That's still better than what Dow Loggins <laughs> did here in Chicago. So, I mean, yeah, we don't have to go in depth about that. But let's just move on to our next coach. And we'll go to our running back coach, Charles London, who was a running back at Duke University. He was a Bears offensive quality control coach in 2007 and offensive assistant slash assistant receivers coach the next two years, uh, running back coach uh, with the Texans from 2014 through 2017. Uh, he helped Arian Foster become a pro bowler in 2014. And that Houston Texans team finished uh, finished fifth in rushing yards in a 9-7 record. In 2015, Houston finished number 15 in rushing. They had Alfred Blue, Chris Polk as a running back. It's not the best guys they have. Also finished 9-7. and seven. And then the next year, 2016, Finished nine and seven, finished eighth in rushing. Lamar Miller goes for a thousand yards rushing that season. So, with that being said, Charles London, I think, is a guy. He comes in and now he gets Jordan Howard, Tariq Cohen. Much better running backs than what he's had in the past. And I know Aaron Foster was good at some at one point in his career, but I think this is a major upgrade for him. And especially the new offense, we really don't know what to expect. I mean, it's going to be new for everybody coming in, but I, I like this hire. It's um, so it's going to be different. And again, he just has an upgrade at the running back position. So seeing that he got a thousand yards out of a Lamar Miller made Arian, not him, just him making uh, Arian Foster a pro bowler, but helped in that in doing that for him. And again, the Houston Texans were able to have success in the running game, despite not having very good quarterbacks early on. And then they had Deshaun Watson for a year. Obviously didn't do very well this past season, but what, what do you see out of uh, Charles London? Any, do you, is this a good hire? What do you think about that? Uh, you brought up Arian Foster as a name that he worked with. Another one I want to bring up with uh, when he was at Penn state is Zach Zwinak. Uh, he rushed for almost 2000 yards in 2012 and 2013 combined. And he's got a very similar build to Jordan Howard. They're both 6'1", and both hovering around 225, 230. So that really excites me that he's able to do that with a guy with the same frame as Jordan Howard because that's just going to, like, he's essentially working with the same guy that had very uh, very good success there uh, with Penn State. Uh, but he also worked with uh, receivers when he was with the Bears here as well. And I kind of hope that that's something that he can kind of bring to Jordan Howard's game. Uh, I think that Jordan Howard's going to be a much more polished running back when he can get the hands, like, a little more together, I guess is yeah. what we'll say. Because, I mean, if we beat Atlanta week one, he would have caught that touchdown. I mean, I think it's a whole season's a whole different story at this point. But at that point, I mean, 
Uh, but anyway, if he can if he can get better hands on Jordan Howard, I think that's really going to go a long way, especially because he worked with wide receivers before. And similar with Tariq Cohen, if he can help him develop some patience in the backfield. Sometimes you know you don't always see that with him. If he can continue to grow that patience a little bit before turning around and running the complete opposite way for a firework play, which is really cool, uh, but sometimes you really just need to stick with the hole. And the firework play isn't always going to be there, so don't try and make it. Just be patient wait for the whole things like that. And also, if he can bring along... Uh, the third stringer, uh, Taquan Mazel. I think that's definitely going to leave a, a mark on how good a running back coach this guy actually is. No, yeah, and you made some really good points there, especially about him being also that background, having that background and being that receivers coach because Jordan Howard really does need to work on it. We saw it this season, third down running back. Jordan Howard wasn't on the field most of the time because he's a liability in that passing game. He can't catch, right. which is, you don't want to hear that, but it's reality. So maybe if he can help in that that aspect of his game that can go long ways for Jordan Howard expand the offense because again this is now offense is spread west coast kind of what Nagy's bringing here the running back is definitely a big part of the passing game we saw that with Kareem Hunt as a rookie this season this past season or this season currently so definitely that's something that can improve on grade wise I'd give this a B a B minus um not really anything on him. I just want to see now with some better running backs here in Chicago, I think he's going to do even better things. And if he can make Jordan Howard develop those hands a little better, just maybe he brings in some different drills to work on anything like that. Uh, and we see that uh, in this season where Jordan Howard is able to catch these balls and, you know, translate those into yards and be able to expand this offense. Definitely. Maybe by the end of the year, that's an a higher, but for me, it's going to be a B. What about you, Brandon? Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat. He's inheriting, I think, the best position that the Bears have. We know that Jordan Howard is absolutely very solid. He, was, he rushed again for a thousand yards or more than a thousand yards this year. Uh, but I don't think we really see how good of a coach he's going to be until we see more of Tariq Cohen, um, as well, or even Benny Cunningham more on a regular basis. And I definitely don't want them to be playing on a regular basis as long as Jordan Howard's here. Uh, but London is given the keys to a 1970s Chevy Chevelle, and if he crashes it, we all know that he wasn't the right hire. So I'm giving it a B minus, just because he's going to be really hard to evaluate and speculate on at the moment. Love the analogy there, Brandon. You you always have these way with words. I can just just I, I love it, love it. Going to our next coach now, wide receiver coach Mike Fury. Can you you have any background on what he was able to do in his uh in his career? Or? Yeah, so he, he just finished up being the head coach at Limestone College in South Carolina, and the one highlight that I took out of his background was that he played eight seasons in the NFL, uh, most notably with the Detroit Lions. He played with several teams. Uh, but in 2006, he was second in the NFL in interceptions with 98 and finished with a tad over 1,000 yards that year. So he's a polished wide receiver, I would say. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's what I had in my notes, and that's crazy. And he also played safety, so he was in the league playing different positions. And I think that's good because the Bears, he has that that mindset of a safety, like, okay, this is how you can set certain guys up when you're doing that. And then, like you said, in 2006, he was he was the second. He had the second most receptions that season behind Andre Johnson's 103. So he's five receptions off from leading the NFL in receptions that year. But this is a guy, and we'll get into a little bit later who we like and don't like. I would have liked to see, honestly, with this this hire, someone who had that veteran, that longevity being a wide receiver coach in the NFL at this position. Because wide receiver right now for the Bears on offense is definitely the weakest link. And Fury, I don't want to say that he's a bad coach. I definitely can't say that because I, I don't know that much about the guy. But one of those head coaching right how personalized can a financial plan be when it's created by one of those robo-advisors? 
plugging in standard algorithm to calculate insurance need and future wealth of random human client. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting to know you always comes first. Together, we'll create a financial plan based on your specific goals. Find a local Farm Bureau advisor at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. Yes. Well, he's never been over 500 as a coach in the small universities that he's coached at. I think I've seen like he was 0-11 at Northern Kentucky, 4-6 and and 5-6 and in his three years as head coach. Okay, I mean, so yeah, it, it's different being a head coach. Or, right, you know, it's different than a white guy. Exactly, yeah. he's he's got a certain aspect of the the entire offense. But like I said, I want to see more. We'll actually get into that uh, as we get into who we like with our hires. But again, if I had to grade this right now, even though I don't really know much about the guy, but that kind of scares me a little bit. Not him not having that NFL experience as a coach. I have to give it a C plus. This is a uh, one of the the coaching hires where I was like, "Huh, okay, I think we could have done better here." But what 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 are you giving this? Uh, yeah, I'm I'm in the same boat. I'm giving it a B minus C plus uh, because I mean he is a polished wide receiver in the NFL. He knows what he's doing. He knows what it takes to be a, a leading receiver in the NFL because he was second in 2006 as far as receptions go. Uh, but what I worry about is you know with receivers just in general. This may not have been as much of an issue in 2006 as today, but receivers kind of come with baggage. And I kind of worry if that's kind of his ego because like he went to these smaller schools to go be a head coach and you got to start somewhere. I'm not saying that that's a bad choice. Um, but I almost wonder if he went down there to, to kind of dominate the competition, thinking that maybe he could do it. I don't really know. Maybe it's the only opportunity. Like I said, I don't know, just kind of speculation, but I just wonder what kind of ego he has. Cause that's something that receivers typically have. And so I think this is an interesting question, and we actually have a group chat, Brandon. Is this an upgrade or a downgrade from Zach Azani? What do you, what are you thinking on this one? Uh, this one's very hard. I got another analogy for this one while we're on this topic. Oh, nice. uh, I mean, you can only play with the cards that you're dealt, and unfortunately for Zach Azani, uh, he didn't have very good or healthy cards uh, to deal with last year for that matter. So it's really hard to tell if it's going to be an upgrade or downgrade uh, because – uh, Ferry's given the, the keys to a Ford Pinto, and if it catches on fire, it can't be any worse than what it is right now. So it's it's just really hard to know what exactly if it is an upgrade or downgrade because it, it can't really be much worse than it was last year. No, really. I'm in that analogy with the cards. I think Azani had like those cards that you've had for years. You can't even make out like an ace of spades from you know <laughs> just from any other card. You're just like, wait, what is that? I think yeah, Azani. I think and he's been Azani was a, a wide receiver coach since 1999 at different different places throughout his career. And when you get dealt with what he had to deal with last year, it just it wasn't the best situation for any like wide receiver coach for any coach that matter had to deal with the guys that the bears had to deal with and and the offense i mean dow Loggins did not have a good scheme to get guys open so even if we maybe had some potential some athletic ability on the outside for wide receiver the game playing wasn't there for right and that's something we talked about today too in our group chat with the writers and everything like just Tanner Gentry was the guy that one guy that we were talking about that he's slow to kind of get off the line. Well, when you're kind of dealt those cards and the, the scheme doesn't work to get guys open, it's all one-on-one. It's just not set up for his group of guys to be in the best position. Exactly. So, uh, an upgrade, I'm not, I'm going to say it's a downgrade to be completely honest, even though it was one season for, for, 
uh, Azani, I just, again, I don't know. This is a hire that I'm the one hire out of all of them right now that I'm not the most confident in, but we'll, we'll get into that. We'll get into our next guy, tight end coach, Kevin Gilbride. This is the guy I really like in 2010. He was the offensive quality control coach uh, for the Giants. 2012 was promoted to receivers coach. 2014 became the tight ends coach. Uh, and he also played football and baseball at the university of Hawaii. That's a great place to play anything or to do anything in at Hawaii. That'd be awesome. But uh, in 2015, uh, as the tight end coach, he helped Will tie. He was a rookie tight end at the time. Lead uh, all rookie tight ends and catches with 42, receiving yards in 464, and tied for touchdown receptions with three. 2017, he gets another rookie tight end, Evan Ingram. He led the NFL uh, amongst rookie tight ends in receptions with 64, yards 722, and tied for touchdowns with six. So, and Ingram also led the Giants in receptions, touchdown catches, and second receiving yards. I like this one a lot because we have Nagy now, who's obviously on the Kansas City Chiefs. Their tight end, Travis Kelsey, uh, he led the team in receptions, touchdown catches, and was also second receiving yards. So I think that transition, you're bringing a guy who worked with a young rookie tight end, Ingram, and led his team in all the statistical categories that Travis Kelsey did when Nagy was the offensive coordinator for the Chiefs, I think that's going to transition well for a certain tight end, Adam Shaheen, and we'll get into that as well. But if I had to grade this higher, this is a B plus, almost borderline A for me. I really like what the potential that he's going to be able to bring, not only in Adam Shaheen, maybe a Daniel Brown. I don't know what's going to happen with Deion Sims, to be completely honest. I don't know if he's going to stay any longer, but I like what he can bring to this tight end room. What about you, Brandon? Yeah, I actually gave this thing. I don't know if we read each other's notes, but I'm giving it a B plus as well. Cause I mean, he had a pretty good reputation in New York as being a good coach. It just seems to fit with what the bears are doing on this offensive coaching staff. So I'm giving an upgrade as well, just cause it fits exactly what Nagy is doing. Uh, and like you said, he's developed his young guys. He made Evan Ingram uh, an important piece and will tie for that matter. An important piece of the giants offense. Uh, it's something that I think he can make Deion Sims and Adam Sheen for that matter, both very important parts of this offense, because as we just talked about with the receivers, I mean, there's just not much there. So I th I still think the Titans are going to become a very important piece of this offense, especially receiving. And that's where this guy, uh, Kevin Gilbride, comes in and makes a big impact. Yeah, definitely. And I, I also have to give it an upgrade. So we'll go to our last coach, Harry Heistead. And this guy here, I'm just going to read you all the all the places he's coached. He's been coaching offensive line for the last 29, close to 30 years. He was uh, offensive line coach Toledo, 1988 to 89. Cincinnati, 1989 to 1993. Missouri, 1994 to 1996. Illinois from 1997, 99. Illinois again. I think he uh, also was like a assistant head coach also as well as offensive line, 2000, 2004. Obviously, he was with the Bears from 2005 to 2009. University of Tennessee, 2010 to 2011. Then Notre Dame from 2012 to 2017, and he's had countless players going to the NFL. He's been regarded as one of the best offensive line coaches just in football, not just college football or NFL. I mean, he's been known as one of the best guys. You're Brandon, you're the trenches guy. <laughs> Do you I, I don't even think I need to ask this question. Do you like this hire? I love this hire because like you said, I, I he's just one of the best in the business. He's really good at his job. He was previously with the Bears, especially when they went to the Super Bowl. So he knows what it takes to get to that point. He knows what Hallis Hall is like. He knows what to expect from the McCaskies. And he was at Notre Dame. Uh, the only thing I have against him 
just a personal <laughs> preference. So, gotcha. I mean, yeah, this is when I saw this hire, I'm like, all right, we're bringing. Obviously, we brought back some guys that used to play or used to coach for the Bears, which is great. But this is a hire where you get an offensive line. You have Kyle Long, who is battling injuries, but hopefully will be back and healthy by 2018. Cody Whitehair, which hopefully he solidified and stays in, in the middle as a center. You you have some young people. You have also Charles Leno at left tackle. We don't know what's going to happen with Josh Sitton or, or, Bob, or Bobby Massey, but at least he comes in. He's going to get the best out of those guys. And I read an article today, and he's just one of those coaches where he's actually more than just a coach because – he goes and actually he cares about these players. He gets the best out of them. Yes, he'll he'll get on you some days and get aggravate you, but he's only trying to get the best out of you each and every day. And in the article that I read it, it, from the Athletic, it was that every time you go to practice, every time these players go to practice, he wants consistency. The same exact play. They run the same play over and over again. So by the time you do it for the ninth time, it's just. It, it's muscle memory. You just know exactly what you're going to do. And that's what I love. So this Bears offensive line, I think, is going to get a huge boost, a major upgrade with, with Harry now as their, their head coach. And this is the one coach that I gave an A to. Um, I mean, I think it's pretty self-explanatory, Brandon, which you probably <laughs> gave this as well, right? Uh, no, I gave it an A+. Plus. Oh, okay, never mind. <laughs> I was off. There's a plus added. Awesome. So, I mean, that's that's all the... the uh, the coaches that we have so far where there's speculation about a quarterback's coach in the works. But if you had to say who was your favorite hire of the bunch, Brandon, go ahead. Who would be that guy? Oh, I got to say his name again. Harry high stand. Absolutely. A huge upgrade from our last guy, uh, Magazoo. I believe he was the coach last year. Just the best in the business. I'm so glad that he's back in Chicago. Yeah, so I'm gonna go a different approach, but just because, um, obviously that that that's a guy that honestly I could say that too because he is gonna be he's gonna play such a key role in this offensive line developing and being a great unit in 2018. But I really like Kevin Gilbride, just what he was able to do with the young tight ends in New York, and just with Evan Ingram being leading that that and all NFL rookies and receptions, touchdowns, yards, and then translating this here with a young Adam Shaheen. I think that's going to be a great hire, great, great hire for the bears develop Shaheen. And he's going to hopefully have a big 2018 because dialogues didn't know how to use them. John Fox, <laughs> that unit didn't know what they were doing with a young talent like Shaheen. So I think he's going to have a big 2018, but if you had to choose your least favorite hire, who would you go with? Um, I'm going to give it to Charles London uh, just because he's really given, uh, like I said, the keys to a, a 1968, 1969, whatever. Chevy Chevelle was the car that I wanted to use. And literally, it's just his to crash. Uh, so if he screws it up, I think that he's I think this is going to answer another question later on. He's not going to be here very long. Uh, so he really can only screw this up because Jordan Howard is just such a, a solid guy that he really has no room to improve on him. But other guys he can improve on. So if he if he doesn't bring them along very well, then I just have to say that he's going to be my least favorite, all based on speculation right now. But yeah, everything everything here really is based on speculation because we we obviously don't know how these players are going to mesh with these coaches. But we're hoping for the best. But if I had to go with my least favorite hire, I'm going to have to go with Mike Fury because again, like I said, he doesn't have coaching experience in the NFL as a wide receiver coach. Um, he takes over Zach Azani who before his time with the Bears was was a wide receiver coach for the Titans. And he there were a lot of injuries there that 
Azani had to deal with, but he couldn't get the best out of those guys. And he was be he was a wide receiver coach for since 1999. So he's been in the business for a while coaching receivers. And obviously he didn't have much to work with, but he couldn't get the best out of that group. I don't know if Fury's going to be able to do that. And then I would have personally liked to see if the Bears got a veteran coach, uh, maybe another former Bears coach uh, currently on the Arizona Cardinals, Daryl Drake, uh, who spent nine years with the Bears. That would have been some, someone maybe because we're bringing yeah. the old old faces back. That that would have been a guy that I would have liked to see. Yeah, why there. not? Exactly. Bring, you know, just bring 2006, I guess, back <laughs> or forward to 2018. But the, the current wide receivers for the Bears, they just need a lot of work. A lot of work needs to be done. I would have liked to see a veteran guy who's just been coaching wide receivers and he's gotten the best play out of them for for years to come. But again, like you said, it's all speculation. We don't know what these guys are going to do, how they're going to adjust to their new coaches. But again, we're hoping for the best. But out of these coaches, and you you actually answered the the shortest part. Who do you expect uh, not to have the shortest shelf life here in Chicago? Who do you expect to have the longest shelf life? I'm going to give it to my most favorite hire, Harry. I stand again because why would you not want to keep him around? Exactly. Best I mean, in I, business. yeah, best in the business. I have my longest as uh, Harry as well. And then my shortest, uh, no surprise here is Fury. But what one player do you expect to benefit the most from his new coach? Um, It's actually a guy that doesn't have a coach yet. I'm going to say Mitch Trubisky because I think that all this was built with him in mind. They want to put the best surrounding coaches to be able to coach up the guys around him to be able to give him the most effort uh, on the field because while Trubisky can do all this stuff while he's got all this great potential, he's going to need help. He needs receivers who are going to be able to catch the ball, be good route runners. He needs an offensive line so he can stay upright, and he needs a good running game. So I think they really did all this with Mitch Trubisky in mind. I know that he's, you know, this is not a one-man sport uh but i really think that with so much potential at quarterback they really have to take advantage of it and i think that they really thought about trubisky when looking at all these hires oh yeah no doubt about it and i had trubisky as well i'm helfrich i mean they brought him from oregon because there was a lot of similarities between marcus mariota trubisky and how they ran what kind of offense they were in in their college careers obviously trubisky only starting the one year in north carolina but it was that spread quick passes and the thing is with Helfridge, that connection there is that the Bears, they were looking at Trubisky in that draft in 2015, or not Trubisky, Mariota in 2015. So you got to think that at some point, maybe the Bears spoke to Helfridge, say, hey, you know, maybe just ask him about Mariota. But yeah, they definitely, he's going to benefit from all of this, just bringing him, Helfridge bringing in that knowledge into the quarterback's room or, you know, just the offensive room, even though he's not the offense, the, the quarterback's coach those guys all kind of intertwine and are going to help out, but also Adam Shaheen's another guy with that tight with his new tight end coach. I think that's a guy, like I said, he's going to have a big 2018. And again, hopefully we see all these guys really expand the roles. Jordan Howard with catching their wide receivers. Hopefully, even though I'm not a fan of fury, hopefully they adjust their game and are able to create separation. Cause that was a big thing that they couldn't do last season. Everybody. We hope that everyone really does expand the role in 2018 and does get better. But finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. 
Get full offer details at Tempurpedic.com. I know we, we talked about the audio mailbag earlier. So we're going to end the show with some questions. How does that sound, Brendan? Let's do it. I'm excited to get back to it. Let's do it. Exactly. So we got our first question from Reject on Twitter. How many players do we have on the roster right now who could hypothetically play a Super Bowl team for 2019? Uh, this is a question. Interesting. I, well, hypothetically, I still don't think hypothetically. The in the Super Bowl <laughs> in 2019, but it's a fun question to think about. Let, let's just start offensively. Obviously, there's going to be Mitch Trubisky, who would be playing as quarterback in 2019. Well, we I, could, I, could potentially. I'm not even going to say it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it would be weird if he wasn't. So yes. we have him. We have Jordan Howard. Tariq Cohen. Cohen Adam Shaheen. You have uh, we, we, Cody Whitehair. Cody Whitehair. Kyle Long's interesting because of potentially, and I looked this up, I just wanted to see his contract. Potentially, he could be out at 2019, uh, in 2019, um, a $3 million dead cap. So if he's not healthy, he could be, he could be out before 2019. It, yes, could be out before okay. 2019. So I think mm-hmm. going into that 20, 2019 offseason, he could be out. And if he's not healthy and is not able to stay on the field, that I mean, he could potentially not be there. It, yeah. it would be bad, sad to think about, but that could potentially happen. So we have that Charles Leno most likely Charles signing Leno. that deal. I think um, Cam Meredith too. I mean, we I think we just skipped the wide receivers, but I think Cam Meredith is going to be a guy who, once he gets back and healthy, is going to be able to play a big part in this offense because he was the leading receiver before he got hurt. Yeah, and I think that is really when you think about it, the only wide receiver that we could probably probably say. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it would most likely be on a 2019 hypothetical Bears Super Bowl, but that's the only receiver, and he still got to get extended. Right. And we'll see what happens there. Moving over to the other side of the ball, the defense. Here's an interesting guy. We we can hand some guys that we know are going to be there if it does happen. But Danny Trevathan would be in the last year of his four year contract. Does he make it? Interesting. Interesting. I I don't know. Um, I don't know. I think there's at least from my Indiana college football knowledge, uh, Purdue and Indiana combined. I know there's a lot of good linebackers coming out from both schools, uh, Indiana and Purdue. So there's 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 guys there that we could draft late that are good uh, that I think could potentially fill his role and get some depth in there. Uh, so I don't know necessarily that he's there. I know this year, at least just coming out of the state of Indiana, there's a handful of guys. Uh, so I don't really know that he's going to be here. Uh, I think Nick Kukowski is definitely going to be one of those guys that's here. Kukowski, definitely. Akeem Hicks, Akeem Hicks Floyd. will be here. Leonard Floyd. Mitch Enride will not. <laughs> no, he will not. <laughs> he will not. And then our other outside linebackers. Willie Young, Pernell McPhee, Lamar Hughes. I don't even know if these guys are going to be back this year. Almost when you really think about yeah, it, honestly, I don't. I don't know. I think Willie comes back, but I don't think he makes it to 2019 for a hypothetical Super Bowl run. No, no, definitely not. And then the the big one, I think, also Kyle Fuller. It depends what all happens in this offseason. Will he get franchise tag? Will the Bears, you know, release him? Does he get signed by another team? If he does get franchise tag and plays well, how does he get an extension? If he gets franchise tagged and plays awful what ends up happening there. So there's a lot of situation scenarios that can play out with Kyle Fuller in a hypothetical 2019 Super Bowl. And you, I have no idea what the other corner. I don't like Prince of Mookamore, to be completely honest. I don't think that the Bears should actually bring him back 
this year. So he definitely wouldn't make it for 2019. We don't even have to mention Marcus Cooper's name, even though I just did because he's going to be cut after this season. So then you have your two safeties who I think will both be there. I agree. I think those two are a definite lock for years to come beyond 2019. And you know what? Had you asked me that at the beginning of the season for Adrian Amos, I would have said, you would have said no, (laughs) I would have said no, but I'm glad that he made me rethink and he played well this season. We'll move on to our second question. And this is from Tristan. How aggressive do you think pace will be in free agency? And how do you think this upcoming draft will stack, stack up with his previous drafts? So pace has not done the best in free agency. Uh, I think it was today on sports center. Mike Lennon was named the worst free agent signing of 2017, (laughs) which deservedly so, because we all know how Mike Lennon played. Then you add Marcus Whedon to that, Marcus Cooper to that, and Deion Sims to that list of free agents this past season. I don't know how aggressive he is going to be because there's going to be wide receiver. I think you have to be pretty aggressive, but you can't be overly aggressive where you pay so much someone too much money, maybe like a Jarvis Landry or Allen Robinson, and one's coming off an ACL. Or Marcus Whedon. Or Marcus Whedon <laughs> making millions of dollars for the couple of catches he have this yeah. season. So I don't know how, do you think he's aggressive this off season? I, this is hard to answer the, the free agent one, because it seems like when you just look at his free agency as a whole, it brings in Pernell McPhee, Marcus Wheaton, uh, Quentin Demps, uh, Prince and Mukamara stayed relatively other. But the point is I'm trying to, I'm like trying to find all these guys that have some sort of injury history. And that's not always intentional because they don't come in that way. Uh, Quentin Demps had some injury problems early in his career, but, the last few years prior to coming to Chicago, he was healthy and then ended up leading the NFL in interceptions the year before he came here, and then he gets hurt. So, I mean, those are things that you can't really control as a GM. So whether or not you're aggressive or not, you know, as we've seen with the Bears and their strength and conditioning coach, I see, did uh, get canned. So um, it, hopefully something changes there as far as if he's going to be aggressive and bring guys in. Hopefully they can stay healthy is my biggest concern. Yeah, exactly. So to answer your question, Tristan, I'm going to say he's not as aggressive because he does want to build through the draft. He definitely does. Um, So I don't think he's as aggressive going into this free agency, but in terms of the draft and how he'll stack up with this one, Pace has done a great job with drafting the guys that he's got at the positions that he got him for. I mean, you just look at this past draft where he got Eddie Jackson, three Cohen, then previous to that, Jordan Howard in fifth round. So he's done a great job. And I think that'll continue. That's really Pace's forte. He's building through the draft. Let's not forget Adrian Amos in the fifth round. That's not exactly. So, I mean, he's finding very good value in these later rounds. So I think that will play out and we don't have as many picks as we had in years past. So he has to be good. And, you know, in this draft for the bears to be successful down the road, we'll move on to our third question. And it's from Johnny. Now that John Fox is gone and we kind of addressed this, Brandon, do you think that'll have any effect on Trevathan? Will he want to stay or will he want to leave in the future? Good question. I mean, obviously they both came from Denver. I don't I think he I think Trevathan wants to stay. He's gonna see that he's Vic Fangio's back, three year deal, that defense is ascending, and you have a young quarterback in Mitch Trubisky who a lot of defensive players on the Bears have praised and said great things about. So and with a new coaching staff, you just you think that you hope this turns around and goes in a positive upward direction for the bears and Trevathan. If he stays healthy is productive, 
he'll earn earn himself a contract extension. But if he can't be on, if he misses time on the field due to injury, regardless if he wants to stay or not, the Bears would definitely not take him back if he can't be healthy like the next couple of years. What do you think? Yeah, I think uh, well, because I struggled to answer this when you brought it up earlier. Uh, I think Fangio is really more of a selling point than John Fox. So I think if Fangio is going to be here, I'm going to kind of change my mind around on that hypothetical 2019 Super Bowl. I think Trevathan maybe will stay uh, because I think Fangio, he's Trevathan figured out once Freeman left that, hey, I can be a leader of this defense. And he did a very good job. The defense played so much better when he was on the field compared to off the field. And I think he sees that impact that he makes and goes, yeah, I kind of want to be here and be that leader. Uh, And he's been a very good leader, like I said. So hopefully that's reason for him to stay. Yeah, exactly. And when when Trevathan's playing, good things are happening for that Bears defense. We'll move on to our fourth question from Christian. Do you think the offensive coaching room would be overcrowded if we got the offensive coordinators from the Raiders and Seahawks like rumors are saying we might do? So here are the guys that are possibly inquiring to be the next quarterback coach or just be on the Bears that we brought in for interviews or there's rumors about we have Todd Downing from the Raiders. He's the Raiders offensive coordinator previous two seasons. He was uh, also the quarterback coach for the, the Raiders uh, working with Derek Carr. You have Daryl Bevel from Seahawks. He was offensive coordinator for seven years there. The only thing with him, and I will say this, he was an Iowa state graduate assistant back in the day. <laughs> so that might do it for me where I'm like, Bevel, I don't know. I can't do it. Just kidding. But uh, then we have Pat O'Hara, who been with the Texans since 2015, offensive assistant, then offensive uh, assistant slash quarterback coach, obviously worked with Deshaun Watson. So you have that. You have all these guys. But I don't think that's a problem. You bring more creative minds into, you know, a, a room where you can help and you're all working towards one goal. That's obviously winning, obviously winning a Super Bowl, but developing a young quarterback. I don't think I don't see how that hurts you. That's just giving you a entirely different perspectives of how you can maybe go about things. And you have Daryl Bevel, who worked with Russell Wilson, Pat O'Hara, Deshaun Watson, Derek Carr. These are young quarterbacks, or you know, quarterbacks who have done some good things. And you bring any one of those guys to an offensive, you know, meeting, they're gonna give you and say good things. What one has gone on to win multiples or won a Super Bowl. So I think that's not gonna hurt you. What do you think it would hurt you in any way bringing any of these guys in? I'm going to kind of counter that uh, because okay. Maggie was saying, uh, you know, with Andy Reid, he always liked to get all of his offensive guys in a room and just crank out the week's uh, game plan. And egos always had to be checked at the door. You never brought your ego in. And I don't know these guys well enough to know, like, if the guy from the Raiders comes in and goes, well, I coach Derek Carr, and then get the guy from Seattle who you're not fond of, apparently. Um <laughs> goes, you know, I coach Russell Wilson, you know, and here's what we did. And he's similar to Trubisky in this way. And Derek Carr is similar in this way. Like, those are all things that have to be checked at the door uh, because Nagy's not going to, I don't think he's going to take anything. That's something he's really got to figure out in the interview process. So hopefully he really thinks about it thoroughly because it definitely could be overcrowded. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of great offensive minds in there. It could really do some really good things. Uh, but at the same time, it could hurt you if the egos aren't checked at the door. No, that's very true. And Nagy said, like, with, with Andy Reid, you know, we're not going to bring that here. There's not going to be that dominant offensive mind. This is what we're doing. This is how we're doing it. We're going to listen to everybody, see what everyone, get everyone's input. So again, with the interview process, he would mo- hopefully you would think that he finds a guy. All right. He's not going to have too much of an ego. He's not going to be uh, a, a cancer to, to the quarterback room or anything like that. But 
I, I like any one of those guys. Maybe the Iowa State guy is the least uh, <laughs> Daryl Bevel, but that's just me being a University of Iowa Hawkeye alum. So our fifth question, I think it's our fifth question, question is from Chase. How do you see the growth of Trubisky and the entire offense for hopefully years to come now that Nagy and Helfridge, to a lesser extent than Nagy, uh, are in charge of it? What do you think, Brandon? I think that early on we're going to see kinks. Like This is something that we have to be patient with because – Nagy's never been a head coach before, uh, so he's going to have to work some of those things out. And just all around this whole team, the whole core of it is just very young. So now we got to adjust from uh, John Fox, who's an older guy, to a younger guy that hopefully they're going to be able to relate with a little uh, quicker and be able to excel that way. Uh, but I think we're definitely going to see some growing pains, especially with the, the coaching staff, especially if they bring in one of the guys we were just talking about for the quarterbacks coach. Cause there's going to be a lot of heads kind of button. They're going to have to figure some things out and coaching. Like I, we were talking about with the writers, how we were talking about how Taron Gentry plays a bigger impact. I mean, this is just for comparison purposes, a big of an impact he played just because they, uh, their coach are able to scheme him open. Uh, so Josh Allen was able to throw the ball more. He had 1,400 more yards with Tanner Gentry at Wyoming. They're going to have to figure something out uh, there coaching-wise. Similarly, with the rest of them, how they're all going to gel together, figure out how to get the best out of all their players. And I think there's going to be some kinks along the way, especially early on. But as a whole, through the through the long stretch, this is definitely good for the offense. Oh, no doubt about it. And there definitely are going to be some growing pains. Trubisky's only going to be in the second year. He's not going to know. He's not going to master this offense, even though he has time now with having – being the starter, having his head coach, having you a know, full offseason. Exactly. A full offseason. He's still not going to master it. It, you know, Alex Smith didn't there, there's no way that happens. So there's definitely going to be growing pains in the beginning, but they brought in these coaches because they cater to Trubisky's strengths. So you're going to see that he's going to be comfortable in this. He's going to know where to throw the ball as time goes on. And that RPO action, it's going to be completely different. This is the, Offense that you saw the past three years in Chicago, forget about it. And most likely, it's it's forgettable. We we oh, don't even want to remember exactly. <laughs> what we're gonna see in 2018 is gonna be completely different. Not even recognizable to anything that we saw these past couple of seasons without Loggins, even with Adam Gase. It's just completely different. But this is good for the offense. The offense is going. The coaches are gonna tailor to Trubisky. Trubisky should be able to get this offense a little quicker because he is familiar with this having done it in college. But again, he will have those growing pains like we talked about. And from our, our last question from bears defense with no E before the F on Twitter, I'm not <laughs> the only one that thinks bears. I'm not the only one that thinks bears. Okay. Should draft another QB this year. Maybe not in the first two rounds, but we need one and I'm a defensive guy, smiley face, but first round, Pass rusher, second corner, third backup QB. Thoughts? Uh, Randy, you go ahead at this first. What do you think about Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. That. Maybe not that early, but we need to replace Mike Glennon. So, yes, I could see it happening. I've thought about this as well. Uh, that I think a quarterback does get drafted again, not to compete with Mitch for a starting job at all. I think Trubisky's definitely 
uh, the long foreseeable. He's just got so much potential. He's got a really high ceiling. You can literally mold him however you need him to because just of his limited experience, he's just able to be that way. And he's just got a high potential. He's got very self good self-awareness. He knows what he needs to work on. But we need to replace Mike Glennon. So this is where I think we get a guy in the draft, potentially. Unless they want to promote Mark Sanchez to be the backup, then have this guy that they draft potentially be the third stringer and learn under the system that way. But I think one gets drafted more of a story. But Brandon, Mike Lennon's still on the team. We can't replace someone that's not gone yet, right? No, just kidding. Well, He's we can. Be so gone <laughs> after this. But this is interesting. I, I'm thinking that the Bears might go try to find some kind of veteran, another veteran on there. Uh, I know they have Sanchez, but I think he's kind of turning in more into that. He coaches up Trubisky on the sidelines. We saw the video with him and how he interacts with him. They obviously have great chemistry, and I think I think Sanchez will eventually be a coach at some point uh, in his career, but maybe they go for a veteran guy. I don't know because the Bears do have some limited picks here this, this season, and not unless they trade back and get more picks. I don't know if they First go for off, a for the record. I totally anticipate that happening because he Ryan Pace likes to do that. So he does anticipate that happening. Yeah, I think he's going to try to get the most bang for his buck and trading back. Maybe that the number eight pick. I can definitely see it happening because we we did give up. We gave up. You know, obviously we traded up for Trubisky. Gave up some picks, so we got to get some they of those traded, back. They traded down quite a few spots to get Cody White here, who turned out still to be an excellent offensive lineman. So I have no issue with him trading back. He's, he really knows what he's doing when it comes to evaluating these guys. Oh, no doubt about it. So don't know. I'm going to say just going out of limit. I don't think they go and get a quarterback in this draft um, just with the amount of picks that he has. And even if he does trade back, there's, there's, a, there's some positions that definitely need to be addressed uh, on this Bears team. We do have our future quarterback. You have Mark Sanchez right now. Glennon will be gone. It'll be interesting. I can't wait for draft time, though. We're already talking about it. It kind of gets me excited. But that's going to do it for, for this episode of the Bears Brothers Podcast. I hope that you enjoyed the show. And if you did, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We appreciate every review that comes in. And actually, before we head out, Brandon, I have to ask you, we have some championship games this weekend. Who do you got in each game? Uh, let's see. We have New England and Jacksonville, right? You got New England. Jacksonville. Uh, I'm going to take New England. Yeah, I'm taking New England. And in the NFC, I like the Vikings. I really do. I think that they have, are motivated enough. And after the miracle in Minneapolis, the Minneapolis miracle, whatever it's being called, uh, I think that that's enough to get them through this game with Philadelphia. I think they'll beat up on Nick Foles and go home for a Super Bowl. That'll be kind of interesting. That will be very interesting. I have the Patriots as well. And Whatever it's called, the Miracle Marriott, whatever it is, I think it's just set up for the, the Vikings to win. Not just this game. And this, we're, we're Bears fans here, obviously, the Bears Brothers <laughs> podcast. But you can't you can't hate what the Vikings have done, especially without there's, you know, being a third string quarterback, uh, losing their running back and all the things they did. The Vikings, I think it's set up for them to win the Super Bowl in their hometown. But we'll see what happens. It'll be interesting. I think they'll be great games, so. But up next, we'll continue our breakdown of the Chicago Bears offense, but we'll shift our focus onto the players, explaining why or explaining who and why should stay and who should go. Highlight a couple of key positions in need of an upgrade and a whole bunch more. But until then, bear down, Chicago.
Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com.